I'm Katie Sewell, and this is A Bittersweet Moment with Tiffany Parks. Hello and welcome to The Bittersweet Life. I'm Tiffany Parks, and this is your midweek bittersweet moment. Now, I recently celebrated my 10-year wedding anniversary, which is pretty unbelievable that uh, 10 years has passed so incredibly fast. I, I absolutely can't believe it. But as I was getting ready to celebrate, I was posting some photos from my wedding, which of course took place here in Rome. And I had some comments from people on social media asking me what were some Italian wedding traditions. And I had the idea to do a mini episode on it. Actually, I, I'm going to do a short very short series of mini episodes on Italian weddings. Because the more I thought about it and uh, started to prepare for this episode, the more I realized there was quite a bit to say. So I'm going to start just today by talking about classic, let's say modern or recently modern Italian wedding traditions. Things that are still done today, but things that were very, very common in the mid 20th century, and maybe a little bit earlier than that. Like I said, some of these things they still do. Some are completely not observed at all anymore. Some of these I have participated in, and I will share those stories with you. I'm not going to talk about my own wedding on this episode, because I did so few of the Italian wedding traditions. I will talk about my own particular wedding next time. And specifically, I'll talk a little bit about clash that sometimes occurred during the planning between the Italian side and the American side, trying to have a wedding that was American and modern, but also traditionally Italian. Not an easy task. And then I'm going to end this series with ancient Roman wedding traditions and how an ancient Roman marriage was conducted. So starting with the 20th century wedding traditions, things that were commonly done in the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, but then as we sort of got towards the contemporary period, sort of started falling out of tradition. One of them is the bride must never wear her entire wedding outfit before the actual ceremony. She can try on her dress, of course, and her veil, let's say, but she can't have every single piece of her ensemble on at the same time. It was always meant to remain imperfect or incomplete until the actual moment she walked down the aisle. Here's a kind of odd one that I I wonder if anyone still does this, but to ward off evil spirits, the groom would carry a piece of iron in his pocket. Now there is an expression in Italy, tocca ferro, touch iron. It's similar to the Anglo-Saxon superstition of knocking on wood. It's something that you do to ward off bad luck. Now, um, the same sort of thing was true for the bride. The reason that she wore the veil, and I think this is probably a tradition in many different cultures, but the original reason that the bride wore the veil was not as a symbol of modesty or a symbol of purity, but it was actually to hide her face from jealous spirits so that um, the jealous spirits would not know who the bride was. And believe it or not, tearing the veil is good luck. Some some people would actually tear their wedding veil on purpose after the wedding. I would never have done that, of course. Um, 
It's also considered bad luck for the bride to wear any gold on the day she's married until the wedding rings are exchanged. As I said, I didn't follow most of these traditions and I was wearing gold on my wedding day long before the rings were exchanged. I doubt that that very many brides still keep to that. So it was tradition and this probably is is still observed in some very traditional weddings. But uh, at the very beginning of the reception, sweet liqueurs and very strong alcoholic drinks were served to the guest by the best man uh, right before the dinner was to begin. And the uh, classic toast that was made was per cent'anni, for 100 years. And you can still hear this, at least, this toast um, at many weddings. It's still very common, many Italian weddings. So here's a fun one. The bride was supposed to present her new mother-in-law with an olive branch at the reception to symbolize peace. Yeah, I can see why that might have to be necessary in some situations. Also, before the meal began, a loaf of barley or wheat bread was broken over the head of the bride. And the guests were supposed to gather up the crumbs for good luck um, and also to promote fertility for the couple. I doubt many many brides are are going to go for that these days, getting crumbs all over their uh, <laughs> their outfit. Um, now there was a very very complicated dancing situation. Uh, dancing in Italian weddings is actually not that common, I would say anymore. It's not as common as it is at American weddings. I feel like most American weddings, by the time you get to the end of the reception, there's a DJ and everybody's dancing. But Italian weddings, I feel like. And maybe this is just my experience, but I feel like they're a little bit more sober and they don't really go in for the DJ. So there's not a lot of dancing happening at uh, Italian weddings these days. But, you know, back in the day, of course, there was very traditional dancing happening, like folk dancing. And there was a very complicated ritual that would take place. So first the bride and groom would dance together and then the father of the bride would cut in which is kind of backwards sort of, I feel like, to the way it sometimes happens in the States where the father of the bride dances with the bride and then the groom cuts in. So it's the, the other way around. And when the father of the bride cuts in, the groom asks his new mother-in-law to dance. So then the groom's father replaces the bride's father to dance and the father of the bride dances with his own wife. Now the groom has no partner, so he dances with his own mother. The in-laws then change partners amongst themselves, and the best man then invites the maid of honor to dance. After that, the best man dances with the bride, and the groom dances with the maid of honor, and then only then can the rest of the wedding party join in. So incredibly complicated. I really don't know how they would keep this all, all straight. Now, before the reception was over, the bride and groom would break a glass, and the number of pieces that were shattered on the ground were supposed to symbolize the number of years that the happy couple would share together. Katie here, stepping in real quick to tell you about Love Letter, a game that Derek and I played a lot during the lockdown. In Love Letter, a noble princess is looking for an ideal partner and confidant to help her with her royal duties when she assumes the throne. You must prove your worth and gain her trust by enlisting allies, friends and family of the princess, to carry a letter of intent to her. Can you earn the princess's trust and become her confidant? That's the question. Love Letter is simple to play. You draw a card and play a card on your turn, and use the character's abilities on the card to stay in the round and get your letter closer to the princess. It's a game for two to six players, and it's quick. It plays in about 20 minutes and fits in your pocket, so you can take it anywhere. Love Letter is appropriate for ages 10 and up, and is available for $11.99 through Z-Man Games. You can also find it at Target, your local game store, 
or at zmangames.com. I really love this game. I've taken it with me traveling, too. Back to the show. This is probably my favorite one, this next one. Um, <laughs> so at the end of the night, the groom's tie was cut into pieces, and they were sold to the guests to help pay for the honeymoon or to pay for the band. So everyone would sort of buy a piece of the tie, partially for good luck, but also the money would then go to, uh, to help the new couple out. So I think this is really cute. I'm glad that that didn't happen, though, in my case, because... Claudio's tie was was very it was very nice and I'm glad that he still has it. Lastly, guests are sent home with a piece of wedding cake and the tradition holds that any unmarried person who sleeps with a piece of wedding cake under their pillow will dream of his or her future spouse. I believe this is also tradition in Britain. Now, a few traditions that are actually still in use. Uh, one is that during the reception Anytime there's sort of a lull, anytime it starts to get quiet during the dinner, somebody will stand up and shout, and it's usually a young man, it's often, you know, the best man, who will stand up and shout, Eviva gli sposi! Like, long live the, the bride and groom, or long live the newlyweds. And everyone applauds. So this is very, very much still a thing. Another thing that's very common are the confetti. Now, of course, in the Anglo-Saxon world, we know confetti as little tiny pieces of paper that you throw. That is not what confetti actually are. They are sugared almonds. They are supposed to represent the bitter and the sweet that the married couple will encounter during their life together. And at pretty much any Italian wedding you go to, even the least traditional Italian weddings, they will give every guest a little decorative bag of five of these confetti or five of these sugared almonds. The reason there are five is because they represent five wishes for the new couple. Health, fertility, longevity, happiness, and wealth. So this is incredibly common. And there are some people, especially older people, they collect them. They don't eat them. They just keep them because they're very decorative. And the little bags, if you've never seen one, if you've never been to an Italian wedding... The bags are covered with bows and ribbons and little flowers. And I mean, honestly, they're the most frou-frou thing you could imagine, you could possibly imagine. And there's a huge market for this. Like there are companies that all they do really is make these confetti bags. I'm going to talk a little bit more about these little bags of confetti on the next episode, on the next wedding episode, and talk about the differences in opinion that came up between my husband and I, when we were planning our wedding in regards to the confetti. Another tradition that I participated in, not in my own wedding, but in the wedding of a third cousin of mine here in Rome. I went to her wedding the year before, the spring before, actually, I moved to Rome. And it was actually on that trip that I decided to move to Rome. I wasn't technically in her wedding in the sense that I wasn't part of the bridal party but I did sing in her wedding so I took play I took part in a lot of the traditions that happened before the wedding and uh, this tradition is that all of the female members of both families so the mother of the bride the mother of the groom and any siblings sisters particularly and female cousins they prepare the wedding bed so they go to the home if it's a new home sometimes it is, or if it's the home where the bride and groom already live, which is these days much more common. They go to that home, the home of the new couple, and they make the bed with very, very precious 
linens. Usually these linens are either bought for the occasion or actually very often they're made for the bride and groom, often by the like the grandmother of the bride. I mean, if you think about, you know, going back to the, the idea of a trousseau, it was that sort of thing. The grandmother of the bride of this family, she started working on a, a bed cover, a crocheted bed cover for the bride. I think like when she was like a little girl. <laughs> so that's kind of how things are done in the very, very traditional Italian families. And once the bed is made, a young girl in the family somersaults over the bed to promote fertility for the couple. There was no young girl, so I did that. <laughs> and uh, I have pictures of that. I, I, I'll have to try to pull them out and post them for this episode. The night before the wedding, the, the bride should wear green for good luck. I didn't wear green the night before the wedding, but I did wear green on my at my bachelorette party, which was about a week before. Lastly, the bride should leave for the wedding, traditionally, from her parents' house. And she walks out of the door with her father, and a young boy and girl hold a ribbon at the doorstep. The father cuts the ribbon, and I can see what this is symbolizing, and the bride leaves the house. Meanwhile, the mother should be upstairs in a window above the front door, and she should throw more of these confetti or sugar almonds from the window. And I think this is probably something that almost never happens. But it did happen in that wedding that I went to back in 2004. And it was pretty cool, I do have to say. I said that was the last thing, but I'm going to mention one more thing, which is that it's very traditional for the groom and his friends to serenade the bride shortly before the wedding. I participated in one of these serenades. I thought it was the most romantic thing ever, even though the music that they play now is very corny Italian pop music. But I love the idea of it. I think I've talked about this on the podcast before. I told Claudio I really wanted him to serenade me, you know, not with a little stereo and, you know, a karaoke machine or anything like that, but, you know, with his guitar singing his own voice. But... um, he thought it was the most corny thing in the world, and so he refused. <laughs> so romantic, right? But it does happen, especially in small towns, and uh, the bride supposedly doesn't know about it, but, you know, she always does. They make sure, you know, the bride is always going to be at home. Usually she's at her parents' house. Usually she has all of the blinds drawn in her bedroom, and they arrive. There's always a whole bunch of people, like dozens and dozens and dozens of people show up, And the groom starts to sing, like I said, usually with a karaoke machine or even a professional singer helping him out. And uh, the bride is supposed to slowly open the shutters after a while. You know, she has to make him wait a little while. And if she leaves a rose on the windowsill, that means that she will marry him. So there you have it. Some recent and contemporary Italian traditions. Don't miss the next installment of the uh, wedding series of mini episodes in which I talk about some traditions that I eschewed in my own wedding and some that I was forced into doing. This has been your midweek bittersweet moment. Join us again.